Northumberland 89.7 is CFWN, truly local radio, serving Northumberland County, a not-for-profit volunteer community radio station. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests of Reality Realty are not necessarily the views or opinions of Northumberland 89.7 FM. The information given is designed to be informative and helpful. You should always consult a professional when buying or selling your home. Hello, Northumberland County. This is Reality Realty, Northumberland 89.7 FM's real estate talk show. Grab a cup of coffee or your favorite beverage and enjoy the next hour of real estate talk. I'm Dale Bryant, and I'm a real estate broker with Royal LePage Pro Alliance Realty Brokerage. And at this time each week, we bring you Reality Realty, your local real estate forum where we take on, talk about, and interview guests on all things real estate with a direct focus on Northumberland County and the communities within it. We have a treat for you today, folks. We have brought in the co-creator and original co-host of Reality Realty, Dave Smith, Certified Home Inspector with Pillar to Post Home Inspectors. He'll be joining us in just a few minutes because there's some big changes around the corner in the home inspection industry and we'll want to talk about those. We'll also be talking about some really important issues in a home and they're important issues whether you're buying selling or just living in your home and that is radon and radon testing in your home it will also touch on wet testing for uh, wood burning appliances and last but not least if if time allows we hope to talk about the home inspection component of a real estate transaction and the importance of it so, let's start the show off with Snapshot, which is a look at today's residential real estate market here in Northumberland County. Now, the sales numbers over the past month, they continue to decline. This is the one, two, three, fourth week in a row that I will be reporting declining sales over the past month, and we're down to 143 sales. Now, I'm not expecting any any listener to be keeping track of the numbers, but just so you get an idea of the trend, uh, four weeks ago we were at 190 sales. Then we reported 159 or 165, followed by 159, and then this week 143. Give you an idea of how the sales are dropping over the past month. That leaves us with an inventory of 333 residential listings for sale and the average selling price of successful sales over the past 12 months remains at approximately $324,000 and people are receiving that are successful in selling their home approximately 98% of their asking price in a market time of 57 days. We're still in the seller's market with an absorption rate of 43% based on the past month's trend, and that's 4% lower than last week's reported rate of 47%. So we, we also have been trending towards, towards the balanced market. We're nowhere near it, but we, we are going in the right direction, uh, at least at this time. I research these Northumberland County statistics and I calculate the absorption rate using information from List Central. And List Central is what all your local realtors are using. It's the uh, realtor component of the MLS system. So if you're thinking of buying or selling a home, you want this kind of information, but you want it more specific, more specific to the price band you're looking at, the area you're looking in, and the type of home you're looking at. So the best thing to do is talk to your local realtor, and they will help you understand the Northumberland market information that's most relevant to you as a buyer or a seller. Today's mortgage rates, the rates remain stable. Uh, the five-year fixed is still as low as 2.34% for a five-year fixed, and a five-year variable is as low as 2.2%. And today's mortgage rates, they come to us 
from mortgage broker Carol Ann Bryant with the Broker Financial Group. And that is your current snapshot of the residential real estate market here in Northumberland County. And I'd just like to remind the listeners that the views and opinions that are expressed by me, co-hosts, guests of the show, or any of the articles presented do not represent the views and opinions of the station of the Northumberland Hills Association of Realtors, of any real estate brokerage, or of any other realtor. They're simply our views and opinions at this time. So I would like to welcome our guest today, sitting in the studio live with me this morning, Dave Smith. Dave is a certified home inspector with Pillar to Post Home Inspectors. And Dave, welcome back to the studio. I don't know if I feel welcome. Dale? i got a couple of comments here. Oh, my no. views and opinions. Two things I noticed. You've given us a little criterium here. And we actually do, you actually do write some of this stuff down. But I noticed that you highlighted the views and opinions section just before I speak. Was there a reason for that? Is that always <laughs> done that way? Yeah. So, so... For any of the listeners that don't know the history here, uh, Dave Smith, uh, Dave and I together, we created Reality Realty uh, almost two years ago, Dave. We're get, getting on to two years ago. Dave was the uh, original co-creator. Um, Dave would produce 50% of the shows along with me. and, and or, Dave, more, or more. <laughs> Dave, come on. <laughs> Keep it real. And, uh, and Dave, was, Dave was a co-host for... Uh, over a year with me and and so we didn't we didn't do this back then no. we, <laughs> no, we, we we had the disclaimer and and i've left your disclaimer on at the beginning of the show uh i i wanted to keep some Romance. So, some nostalgia, nostalgia of of an originator and uh but i do it again because every now and again we do touch on some sensitive issues. sensitive issues and and I just want it not to be lost right. that that we're right. not warning the listener that these are these are what we're thinking. Well, I'll give you one more sensitive issue. Okay. And then I'll let you get into your topic here. I'm sensitive about the chair that I'm sitting on. When when I was in here running the show, okay, <laughs> I got the big comfy chair, but you've got me sitting on what looks to be a, a camping chair or something and you've got the big the big puffy chair. What is that the way it is? So, so you're wondering now? You're wondering if, if we tucked away the good chairs <laughs> in storage because yeah, you were here? with your highlighter. <laughs> Just anyway, a, I'll let you. Yeah, let yeah. You sorry about the chair, but I mean, it's good. it looks like it's you good for posture, sorry. right? You don't look sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what, Dave? It's been quite a while since you've been on, and obviously not much has changed. Uh, the, the back and forth still exists here. So, Dave... You're back in the studio, and and the first thing I think about, and and one of the reasons I wanted you on here today, is because there's big changes going on in your home inspection industry. Do you wanna do you wanna tell us, maybe maybe a little bit about legislation? Well, yeah, there's been big changes, and you and I have talked about this probably since we started the show a couple of years ago. And and you being in the in this industry for a while, you you've known about it or been told about it, and for a long time I had to convince you that this was coming down the pike. But it actually is uh, it is actually um, to the point of an actual document that's out there, and and this is basically a standard at this point, a standard for home inspection practices across the country. There are provinces in this country that have licensing, um, that have standards, um, but this is designed to be a national, uh, at this point, standard, uh, not licensing, but this is, for most of us in the industry, we feel this is the the ground laying for an actual licensing across the country. Um, it's it's a cooperative uh, standard that's been established with uh, home inspectors, regulators, consumer agencies, and you know various technical specialists in regards to some of the more technical aspects of a home inspection and what's in a home. And it's designed to provide guidance on minimum requirements for home inspection. It establishes key systems and components that need to be inspected and basically outlines general inspection methods and minimum reporting requirements for the inspectors. So um, the idea being is that it's to increase consistency in home inspection practices and to improve the service quality and consumer protection. Because at this point, we are not licensed and we are, there, are, there are regulations in place and various guiding associations, but no one association or guiding principle for the entire country. All right. So I think when you were, when you were talking there, Dave, you were including two uh, separate uh, movements going on here. I think you were referring to one, 
legislation making uh, making it a law for home inspectors to be certified, licensed, and insured. And and I think you were also referencing a, a separate movement, which which being separate but tied in being CSA standards for an inspection report is it. Is that correct, the way I understand it? Yeah, CSA, it was, a, it was a puzzling choice for, for most of us going in and trying to figure out where that where CSA f- came in. And, and I guess I don't know what the decision-making was in those early stages, but I think CSA, from the consumer perspective, is probably a recognized uh, name or a recognized association that most most homeowners would recognize from the CSA approval of all kinds of different things. So CSA was brought in um, to oversee the procedure, um, pillar to post, uh, as a as a franchise leader in both Canada and the U.S., have been heavily involved on that level in helping to advise because in the U.S. it is probably 85 to 90 percent of U.S. states, you have to be licensed in certain standards. And this procedure has been done over and over and over again. So they were fairly intimately involved in this uh, procedure because they there's been so much groundwork already laid by what they've already experienced. So um, there's that aspect of it. But at this point, um, there is no clear indication it's going to lead to licensing. It just makes sense that this type of energy, um, this type of time spent um, to establish it would lead towards a, a finality. But it, it hasn't, there's no timeline set on that yet. Right. But I mean, it, the, it, the bill has went through, I know, at least one reading in Parliament. It did a did it also pass the second yes. reading? Yeah, so yes. it passed the second reading. And so when I introduce you, I introduce you as a certified home inspector. Yes. Now, you're certified by a body, uh, a governing body, but not necessarily a, a provincially uh, sanctioned or by something provincial, by something lawful. Is that correct? Yes, and, and that's, that's sort of the conundrum there is there's, there is um, registered home inspectors are RHIs. They're certified home inspectors, which is CHI. And and there is um, national and international standards like ASHI and uh, CAPI and OHI, OHI being the Ontario Association of This sounds like a, a, a oh, some of the lots. seven dwarfs. Yeah, well, NASHI, CAPI, and, and, and OHI. You know, and that's what they're... they're I don't, maybe I shouldn't use the phrase muddying the waters, but that's what the, the goal of the CSA standard is, is to make one standard. These are all well-meaning and well-designed governing bodies that set standards. But um, much like uh, many other standards, uh, what, what, what the search is for here and the goal is to have a national standard in Canada that everyone adheres to regardless mm-hmm. of province and regardless of of municipality etc and and that's the goal um, and that's what I think is it will be the ultimate end to this so uh, another neat thing that ties into all this I believe and homeowners <clears throat> pardon me homeowners would want to be aware of this uh, buyers buyers hiring a home inspector uh, to come on somebody else's property, I believe, would really want to be aware of this. And, and so would realtors, realtors referring a home inspector. And that is the insured part of this. And, and I, I understand this could all lead to home inspectors all being insured, which maybe people might be surprised that they don't have to be. <laughs> yes. And And then if you could talk a bit about that, Dave, and, and talk about a little bit about the difference between being insured for liability as far as knocking down somebody's, you know... China cabinet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Could you talk to us a bit about that? Well, one of the things that... I'll make an all-encompassing statement. As, uh, to be proactive when you, when you are shopping around and looking for a home inspector, which I encourage that you do, uh, but you want to make sure you're comparing apples with apples and uh, you want to um, ask the right questions. And one of the questions, just because I could talk, I'll show about this, but just speaking, speaking strictly to insurance, you should clarify and request from your home inspector uh, what associations they may belong to. And the reason that's a key question is because for many associations, OHI being a key one in Ontario, um, that to be a member of OHI or Ontario Association of Home Inspectors, you must have insurance and not just liability insurance, which like you say, um, just accidents that 
you know, you knock over a ladder and it hits someone's car or, mm-hmm. or you knock over grandma's vase kind of thing. Um, that's a liability insurance. But uh, what the key thing is uh, errors and emissions insurance, which is really insuring um, the inspection and the inspection itself. And that's the key thing for both referring uh, realtors and for the home buyer, because in the absence of that, um, you don't really have that protection as a buyer, and, and the inspection itself has not got that coverage. So those are some key questions. You should find out what uh, the inspector, if the inspector does not show any associations or memberships, current associations and memberships, and uh, it'd probably be prudent to request from the home inspector um, that they bring proof of insurance or provide you with proof of valid insurance for errors and emissions. I carry about a million and a half. Uh, Ojai, I think, requires a million dollars in errors and emissions insurance. So those are key questions. And that's, one again, another aspect of this. At this point, you not only do you not have to be licensed to be a home inspector, you do not, you, there is no requirement to actually carry that insurance unless you are a member of a specific association. So that's really the only protection or question that you may want to clarify is current membership in an association and what their insurance that they're carrying is. Yeah, and, and I, I I totally agree with that, Dave, and I, I understand uh, implications involved here. And, and I would think that as, as a home buyer or seller, you know, or especially a home buyer, that it, it can be difficult because with the internet the way it is, uh, someone that's completely unqualified could come across and give a perception of being the real deal. I mean, it's so easy to get enough uh, flash and sizzle mm-hmm. and look professional on the web, yet maybe still not have those those key components of, of being competent in, in the industry. It's tough on the the buyer who maybe only buys one house every five to 25 years. Uh, I think this is really key for realtors to understand this aspect of it because if you're referring somebody, uh, a home inspector, and you're it, be responsible in part for having them come on site and then they don't even have uh, this errors and in emissions insurance or, or any of these qualifications, I mean, I just wouldn't want to be on the bad end of a lawsuit. Well, I want to just, I, I just want to reel that back a little bit. And it isn't even, just, just to be fair, um, from my perspective, it isn't even about necessarily competency. You could have someone that's been in business for, for 20 years or 25 years in the home inspection industry and have a very high level of competence. Mm-hmm. The aspect of it is, is that this insurance is expensive. And you mm-hmm. need to qualify for this insurance based on your experience. So it makes, if you, if you make mistakes or if you have a suit against you, it may, just like if you crash your car four times, you may be more expensive to get insurance or you may have to go to a different insurance carrier to cover you. Um, errors and emissions insurance and insurance for a home inspector can start at thirty-five dollars to $4,000 a year. And uh, depending on the history of that and any problems that may have been in the past of that inspector, it could certainly climb much higher than that. And it's, it's probably one of the few things that a home inspector could actually do to cut his costs, his operating costs. And so if you actually are doing comparing based on price alone and I have I have my my comments on that, but if you have one inspector that's that's quoting much drastically low, just like a a roofer or someone washing your windows, if they are to have a dramatic price difference, lower than all the other competitors or most of the other competitors, you really have to ask the question why? Why are they so much cheaper mm-hmm. than the other? Because the market does set the pricing on all things, and uh, there's always someone a little bit higher, there's always someone a little bit lower, but if someone is dramatically lower, you have to ask the question why, and that's where you should ask those questions of that inspector and in regards to qualifications or even experience people make mistakes and that's why the name of it is errors and emissions mm-hmm. um, that is you go into a home you find you don't go through the attic hatch by example and there is uh there happens to be asbestos cont- or vermiculite insulation that has asbestos in it one of the big threats in an old mm-hmm. home um, you don't go through that attic hatch because you don't want to take the clothes out of there but you're required to you're supposed to 
um, go through any accessible attic catch. That's that's an error. You did. Or what if that. you just miss it? Or the other one is omission. You, you yeah you yeah. or or even part to that you forget to put it into the report. You may even set it to the verbally when you did the mm-hmm. when you did the inspection, but you didn't actually put it in the report. That's an omission. So it, it doesn't always speak to the the training or the experience of the inspector. People make mistakes in all walks of life uh, of life and all jobs. So that's what the protection is there for. And that is why that inspector carries that insurance like we all carry insurance. Mm-hmm. The idea of you getting into a car accident and making so you can never drive again based on that, that, that insurance uh, would make a lot of people never drive a car again. Uh, the same thing with an inspector. It's, a, it's the ability to continue to operate. Well, Dave, we're, we're already at 20 after the hour, and so we're going to take a small break. Folks, you've been listening to Reality Realty, Northumberland 89.7 FM's local real estate talk. And join us after this break. We'll continue to talk with Dave Smith about some... Uh, I'd like to talk a little bit more about the actual CSA component of the home inspection. And we'll also talk about components of keeping your home safe. Welcome back. This is Northumberland 89.7 FM's Reality Realty with Dale Bryant. And my guest today is Dave Smith, Certified Home Inspector with Pillar to Post Home Inspectors. And Dave, we were talking before the break, we were talking about uh, new things coming down in the home inspection industry. One being legislation. Um, There's uh, legislation that's passed its second reading uh, to get home inspectors certified, licensed, and uh, fully insured. And the the second part, and we've talked a little bit about it, are CSA standards in a home inspection report. And and I understand March 10th, this year, uh, they came up with a draft of voluntary standards. So these aren't into law yet this this could be made into law once legislation is fully passed and do you want to talk a little bit about uh, these new standards Dave and and what do they look like and and how do you think this is going to change the industry well we welcome it uh, we have a very stringent reporting procedure uh, with pillar to post um, so we we welcome it we're not it doesn't scare us at all because it's very much in line with what we already do on a day-to-day basis we also welcome it because it is going to standardize r- the reporting system um, the way it's reported and it's actually going to sort of uh, level the bar for all inspectors so uh, I'll kind of touch on the highlight it's a huge document but mm-hmm. what it's going to do for the consumer and where it matters to the consumer it's going to in it's going to set baseline requirements for the systems and components around the home that need to be inspected. It's going to promote a consistent set of practices um, that can help consumer protection and um, better define what a home inspection actually is from one brand to another or one inspector to another. It'll actually provide home inspectors with a unified benchmark so we don't have to guess on how deep or how shallow we may need to report a certain item, um, which actually helps us on the, because it'll, it'll help realtors understand better what it is when they're to do and and how we're to do it. And it also helps home inspectors provide the best possible service to clients on a level playing field, which is the thing we welcome the most. There's there's a lot of other aspects to it, but those are the key things I think that will matter to the real estate industry and the home buyer. Uh, those things, basically unification and setting a level playing field for all. Yeah, and, and, and I think there's going to be some interesting dynamics go on when, when this all comes comes about and is final because I can see a number of home inspectors having to change their business plans so severely it it will just really change the way they do their job and and that will be a challenge for them because there'll be increased costs there'll be uh, more attention to details that maybe they hadn't followed longer time on site the longer time on site uh, there'll be a lot of people adjusting to that and but you in your practice I really you know I've worked with you uh, many many times over and over again yeah yeah there we go again (laughs) and uh and and i know i know that dave you're 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 on the leading edge of what's going on in this industry as far as practices go as far as competencies go i i don't see you having to change uh, much at all if you know it could be very little or or none Uh, but what i do see as a challenge to you is when the other home inspectors are forced to get on board with good standards. Now, how do you set yourself apart? 
Well, I, the biggest struggle for me getting started was the thoroughness and the length. The, thir- the thoroughness and in, in hand with that was the length of time it was taking me relative to what a lot of realtors were used to spending time on site. This will bring an end to the hour and a half home inspection. Mm-hmm. Uh, this standard will once it gets brought in. Um, I don't... Uh, I have a lot of trust in in my abilities and um, and pillar to post as a as a leader in the industry to figure out ways of differentiating us. We already are different in, in many different ways than what this standard will will do, and uh, I trust that they're going to continue to find new ways to have us stand set apart. Um, there's going to be a big challenge for a lot of uh, home inspectors out there to meet this, and it could take uh, not only could it take some, it could also take some right out of the industry based on the insurance component alone um, it may drive a lot of part-time inspectors out because you can't get part-time insurance you've got to have full-time insurance when you've got to amortize that over 100 or 150 inspections a year it's just going to drive your cost up so it's going to bring about a lot of change and Mm -hmm. uh, we invite we invite it and we welcome it well one of the one of the things that set you apart Dave in the industry because not all home inspectors will do this I have the tools to do it or the training to do it. And something that I we've talked about before, and I'm, we're talking about it again because it is so critical, and that is radon. Can you tell us a little bit about what radon is, Dave, and, and how it affects somebody's health? I'll put a little, I'll give you a website blur because I, I would really encourage everyone to visit the Health Canada website, which is your mm-hmm. best source for information. They have a great uh, website page and we'll give you direction at the end of that. But radon gas and uh, radon in the air, on average, 16% of lung cancer deaths are attributed to radon exposure in Canada. And in 2006, the last uh, numbers that we have, an estimated 1,900 lung cancer <coughs> deaths in Canada were due to radon exposure. It's the second leading cause of cancer after smoking so um it is a real threat it unfortunately the awareness of it in canada has is not there and there's been a lot of work over the last couple of years um, and there will be increased work to make awareness there it's a very very small portion of my inspections at this point in the u.s i've heard numbers as high as 50 percent of home inspections include radon as part of that inspection so uh, there is going to be a hopefully for all a growth in that area for people to understand the uh the reality of radon in homes. Yeah, and and one of the uh, Health Canada stats that just floored me the first time I read it, Dave, was one in 20 Ontario homes has dangerous levels of cancer-causing radon. So if you walk out your front door and you look to the right and you count 10 homes to the right and you look to your left and you count nine homes to your left... Yes. The the stats say one of you folks have dangerous levels of radon in your home. Absolutely. And and you don't have to look far to go ten homes one way and nine the other if if you're in town. No, and you can't even the other thing that's that can be shocking to most is if you have a home, let's say you have a community that has using your one in ten ratio. One in twenty. One in twenty. Um, if you had 200 homes in a community um, and there is each street has, um, help me with the math on this, each, each street has 20 homes on it, uh, you're probably not going to find street uh, A as having 20 homes because of where it is. Um, right. You're probably still going to find those fairly evenly distributed through that community of 200 homes. You may go four homes without it and have two, but there's you can't say street A has a high level of radon. It is not... Um, it's not the way it necessarily works. It's very random in the way it is actually distributed throughout communities and really, for the most part, throughout um, the country. Now, now it is, tell, correct me if I'm wrong, it is a source of this radon, though, can be bedrock. Is that not correct? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's naturally occurring. In bedrock. Yes, and in soil. Um, and that's where, that's where, because of the glacial movement, um, but what happens is, and where people figure that they they have to be close to um, bedrock, but with the glacial movement, um, they could be actually it could have picked up 
the the stone that that will contribute to rain on and it could deposit it in the melting or in the underwater streams or just where mm-hmm. it drops there so uh you may be far away from bedrock but it may have deposited it carries itself it carry it carried there obviously millions of years ago but so you can't always just define it by how close the bedrock is or how much bedrock you're exposed to so if we're talking which now that's getting me to think about something that uh I know we've talked about before, and that is that's a myth, a myth about the radon. And people talk about, uh, you know, things that they're worried about, like granite countertops. Yes. What would you say to that? Uh, be, because people, I've heard people say, I'm concerned about radon in a granite countertop. I don't want one. Well, there aren't many good news stories in the world of radon, but I'm going to give you a couple of them. The number one is, well, I'll give you three. The number one is granite countertops. And I'm going to quote right off the Health Canada website, which Mm -hmm. you would think would be as conservative as as it can be, but they they are the source for Canadians. And in Health Canada completed a study in February of 2010, 33 types of granite commonly purchased in Canada, and none were found to have significant levels of radon. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the idea of, well, my house may have high levels of radon because I've got granite countertops is not valid based on what Health Canada has to say. The other thing is, is we're concerned about radon within the living space of the home. The way the home captures and, and for the most part vacuums, it pulls the, um, the radon into the home based on the way the home is designed. Um, so the granite that you may have out in a walkway or the granite you may have on the stones out in the front of your house or, or, or used as a retaining wall, they will not be the thing you will be concerned about in that home because they're outside. When radon dissipates naturally out in the atmosphere, it is not a threat. It's when it gets trapped within the living space. Yeah, and then and as concentration get, is allowed to build, right. especially in a low place like a basement. Right, and yeah. that's the other good news story is the mitigation costs. When we talk in real estate terms, and you're well aware of, of aluminum wiring and, and um, asbestos-containing vermiculite, and mm-hmm. even the cost of replacing a roof or a furnace in a yeah, home. Water damage. Water yeah. damage. Say replacing a furnace could be, you know, $4,000, $4,500. A roof could be upwards from, you know, five to $10,000. Um, these are all fairly high cost, but they're all pretty much understood and accepted within the real estate world that these mm-hmm. are things that happen in homes. Unfortunately, um, the mitigation of radon is is a scarier sort of a specter, but in reality, it is very, very effective in removing it for all time and uh, for the safety of the home. And it is a very low cost relative to those other things that are known. Uh, $2,500 to $3,500 for the most part will repair high levels of, uh, mitigate high levels of radon in a home almost every time. So it isn't as big a specter from a cost perspective. Yeah, and, and that, that quite often happens in a real estate transaction. People people create monsters out of things. There's, there's usually a solution to every problem. Uh, I think if somebody walks into a home and they see all sorts of carpet that's badly, badly stained, and they start to, unless they've bought carpet recently, they start to create the, this monster of a number in their head of what it's going to cost us to replace all this carpet. I mean, if the home seller isn't ready or in a place to replace it themselves, get a quote. Get a quote from a, a flooring place because, and leave it out on the counter, and that takes away the mystery. I think the radon, because so few people are even getting their home tested for radon, so they, they, one, they don't even know. Uh, they're not aware of how common it is to have it in your home. They're not aware of how deadly it can be. And so naturally, they wouldn't be aware of what the cost is to remediate the red, radon either. It just makes sense. From a real estate transaction, there's two key things to note. Um, the time restrictions on a real estate transaction are very limited. So the only thing that I can provide is a short-term test. And Health Canada recommends a long-term test before remediation is put in place. But a short-term test will indicate in that time frame if there are above threshold levels of radon in the home. Um, and that's a key thing to keep in mind when it comes to having radon testing in a home. And uh, the other thing to note, keep in mind is it's not, does my home have radon in it? Every home has radon in it. It's a, it's a determination of what the levels are. Mm-hmm. 
It exists, yeah. It exists everywhere. And so, folks, uh, if you're listening, this is uh, Dave Smith. A certified home inspector, pillar to post home inspectors, and uh, and Dave does this radon test, uh, this short term test. He'll do it for a transaction, real estate transaction. But if you're not moving, and you just want to make sure that your basement is safe to be in, and the radon levels are within acceptable levels, you can hire Dave just to get it tested and uh, and make sure that it's safe for you and safe for your children downstairs. And so another, Dave, a second, a second service that you provide, and this would apply on a real estate transaction. This would apply uh, if you're just living in your home and, and it hasn't been done for some time. And that is a, a wood energy technology transfer report. I mean, it's easier to say a wet, <laughs> a yeah. wet report, a wet inspection. Can you tell us a little bit? about what is a wet inspection? Well, contrary to a lot of uh, aspects of a home inspection, I make this very clear at the beginning of my inspection, is this is not a building code inspection or a code inspection. Building code, for the most part, should only be cited by municipal or provincial employees or representatives of governing bodies like the ESA or the Electrical Safety Authority. The exception to that is a wet inspection, and that is the wet um, is you have to, you don't get an appliance certified, an appliance being anything that burns wood. So that could be a masonry fireplace, could be a pellet stove, it could be a wood-burning <coughs> fireplace. Um, those are wood-burning appliances, and they fall all fall under the category of wet. Most insurers request or demand um, a wet compliance report done by a wet certified inspector to give you insurability on that home. So it's a key aspect when you're purchasing a home, if it has that in the home, um, that you would be proactive and get that done because it's pretty, it's almost 100% in my experience that the insurer, I've never heard of an insurer that says, we don't need you to do an inspection on that appliance. Right. Um, so uh, the, you need someone to do that and uh, the appliance itself has to be a certified appliance and uh, that can be determined fairly easily if you look at the back of your appliance and you can see a plate uh, actually fixed right to the back of the appliance on that plate is all the determinations of what the clearances and the installation and the requirements for that appliance. That should be step one. If it doesn't have that, um, then you certainly should be looking at getting a wet certified inspector to come and look at it. If you cannot get that appliance certified, or sorry, if you cannot get that compliance report um, completed, then your insurer may request that you decommission the unit, or they may not offer you insurance on the home, or they may in turn request from you um, the statement that you will not use the appliance until you get those uh, that report and the appliance meets the compliance requirements. Yeah, and, and it's, it's definitely a safety issue. I mean, if there's insufficiencies, if there's deficiencies in a wet uh, inspection report, I mean, wouldn't you say that that's ultimately uh, a safety concern? concern you, absolutely. Yeah. So the funny thing here is, and, and when I think and you're about... You're burning, you've got a fire in your house. Yeah. Yeah, you're either going to get uh, uh, dangerous byproducts or the fire itself yeah. in your house. But I, I, when I think about this, about people that have a wood-burning appliance, be it a wood stove, fireplace, pellet stove, what, whatever it might be, and, and people that aren't getting, so they're not selling it. They've had these appliances for a long time, and they're not getting it inspected, uh, a wet inspection, to me, is very similar to a... Uh, a basement bedroom apartment. I mean, if you're if you're going to From lease it, yeah, yeah. If you're going to lease it out, everybody's concerned about proper egress windows for people to get out of. But how often do you allow your family member to live in there, and you're not worried about their egress? You're not worried about if they can get out in the fire because, it, you know, I don't know why, but there's a tendency not to be get as caught up in it. Um, yep. And because we're we're more thinking about regulations than we are the actual safety of of the people. So you mentioned pellet stoves. Uh, that's that's part of it. How about any misconceptions with a wet inspection, Dave? Well, the big um, takeaways that I want the listeners to take from this is uh, it again. It, you, there is no wet certification. You don't certify. 
Um, you don't you don't certify an appliance and it stays certified. It's a wet certified technician that inspects it for compliance. Because in the case of wood stoves, because something can be moved 10 minutes after the inspector leaves, that's why you can't have that compliance report and have it go on for all time. Mm-hmm. So um, number one, um, you should always make sure that you have a valid um, wet inspection or wet inspection with a com- valid compliance report, and in some insurers will only let those lapse for a couple of years before they'll demand a new one from you. Um, and um, the other big misconception about uh, about wet inspection is there is no gray area. It's black and white. It is or it isn't. And the wet inspector, if they're doing their job, regardless of how minor that issue might be, cannot find an appliance in compliance and say, well, you just need to do this and do that, and then it'll be in compliance. It either is or it isn't. Mm -hmm. What I do in my case is I will tell you that this is what needs to happen. I'll give you the report. And when you repair those, I will will come back to the home, examine the appliance again, and if it falls in compliance, then we can issue it. But you cannot sort of just leave it for the, the homeowner to fix. Well, Dave... Last break of the show, uh, folks, you've been listening to Reality Realty, Northumberland 89.7 FM's local real estate talk. Join us after this break, and Dave will be talking about uh, your thoughts on going into an agreement of purchase and sale without a home inspection condition. I, I, I have an idea. You'll have some opinions here, Dave. We'll be right back. Welcome back. This is your local real estate forum, Northumberland 89.7 FM's Reality Realty with Dale Bryant. And our guest this morning is Certified Home Inspector Dave Smith. Well, Dave, before the break, we were talking about uh, some potential serious dangers that can exist in a home. Serious dangers. Serious dangers. Radon and and wood-burning appliances, the dangers they can bring. And now... I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, about a situation that really does occur. I mean, right now we're we've been in 2016. We've been in a heavy, deep seller's market. Uh, there's not much inventory available. When something does come up, there's usually several buyers ready to pounce on it, and those buyers they're they're ready to pay very often above the asking price and they're they're looking for every advantage they can get to have the most desirable offer (laughs) that 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 is being presented and they're looking at ways to cut down conditions and we we call it a clean offer and and they're looking at that and now one of the one of the things that people not only just may consider eliminating off an agreement of purchase and sale, but actually do uh, remove. Well, forget remove, just don't add it right. to an agreement of purchase and sale is a home inspection report. And, and, and I believe, Dave, even though you're not in the on the side of the industry that's drafting the agreement of purchase and sales, you, you're aware of it. Your, your business, uh, your, uh, the other people in, in your industry are aware this is happening, aren't you? Well, absolutely. And in, in Toronto and now Durham, it, 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 Toronto's a bloodbath um, from that perspective, from the home inspector perspective, because it's, uh, it's almost a rarity at this moment in time. But the reality is, Reality Realty, so I tied that <laughs> yeah. pretty good. Eh? You miss that, don't you? Those, those uh, Dave, I'm not going to lie. I do. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, the reality is that there was, if, if home inspection was disposable or an optional thing, it never would exist to begin with. It, it would never have become a integral part of the modern real estate transaction. So to to dis, to get rid of it or to pull it out, I think puts uh, puts a buyer in peril, um, and I think we will see the results of that in 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 a few years. Um, but um, putting that aside, uh, certainly you the the buyer in today's market um, is is challenged to come in with the quote unquote cleanest offer. You don't always have the ability to remove a condition of say insurability or finance or the ability to sell your home. These are things that you don't have control over. I guess home inspection is one of the few that you do. Um, So it's taken a bit of a hit in that regard. Um, 
it, it does cause uh, a concern because, again, if you didn't need, if it was disposable, if it did not reveal and it did not educate the buyer on the realities of the home that they're buying, the home that they, for most, for the most part, when the, a buyer buys a home, you can back me up on this, have probably spent less than two hours total in that home from the minute that they even knew it existed. That yeah. certainly does not give them the time. It's saying nothing of the expertise level of the real, what we call the big five, you know, the roof, the building envelope, uh, including the foundation, the electrical, the plumbing, and the heating systems. Those are the big tickets. That's what we call the big tickets. So how can you possibly, you go and look at a house, do you go down and do you, do you look at the furnace? Do you look at the electrical panel? Uh, do you look, you get up on the roof and look at the roof or the condition of well, it? Well, you're, you're not allowed to. You're not allowed to. You're not allowed to look for aluminum wiring or, or asbestos or mold in the attic. These are things that are completely out of the reach of the modern buyer when they're looking at homes. These are why you have a home inspection. And Mm -hmm. uh, to go into a decision that's such a big, especially when you probably are overextending yourself if you're going in to purchase a home above ask. You, I, maybe I shouldn't probably, but in, I would say the, the average is higher than it was, say, three or four years ago, that you're going in higher than you would have um, ratio-wise, and, and you're already tapped out on disposable income should you have to make a repair in that first year or two. It, I think it puts buyers in peril. Yeah, and, and Dave, you're, you're, you're absolutely right, and maybe it wouldn't be unreal to say to to be able to count just in my own personal experience the amount of times I've worked with a buyer and we're in that house maybe maybe 45 minutes and 45 minutes is enough for them to say yeah we're putting in an offer so exactly what you're saying how well do they know the house I mean you can get a concept and I'm sure you do too uh, get a concept of when you go into a home and you just see the general repair and maintenance of the home, you likely, you're likely thinking, you know what, I bet you this report looks fairly decent when I'm done, yet I also wouldn't be surprised if you're surprised in some of those homes as I well. I quite often do get surprised. Um, I quite often do get surprised. Sometimes I will see the, the exterior level of maintenance of a home and uh, you know enter the home a little concerned about what I've seen outside and be very pleasantly surprised when I get into the inside of the home. Just sometimes people are, 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 are more about being inside the home. They're not outside people and they maybe let the, the, the outside repair fall by the wayside and the inside is in much better condition. But then there are those two that will do an awful lot to give, uh, to give um, street presence and curb appeal, as you guys like to call it. You folks like to call it. I'm not supposed to say guys. Folks mm-hmm. like call it. Um, and the inside is gone by the wayside. Or you get some sort of lipstick on a pig type decor that looks good. But when you look at it a little finer, you'll find out that it really wasn't as well done as you thought it was. If you've redone a whole kitchen, but the walls were in poor condition or the electrical was poor, um, a lot of those nice improvements that grabbed the buyer's eye um, were null and void relative to the fact they now have to remove and get into those walls to repair repair the plumbing and the electrical issues that were masked by the new kitchen cupboards. So um, even a home inspector uh, in that in, in, in over the course of a three or four hour home inspection still is finding things two, two and a half hours into a very, very in-depth inspection. How can a home buyer see it or determine it based on that 45 minutes that you just spoke of? Yeah, absolutely. And and also with the, with the home inspection report, it, it uh, like you say, it superficially it might look like everything's going to be fine and i've even seen it and and then you discover things deeper and i've also seen it many times where the buyer the buyer living in the home is actually surprised that that there's this and 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 quite often when that occurs is it's not an issue that's an issue today but what you discover is all the the perfect storm sort of that's going on and could potentially at any given time cause the issue that they would find out about so i mean the buyers living in the home they're surprised at some of these items that are real so how much more how much more would a a potential um i mean the sellers sorry the sellers are surprised at what's happening in their own home so how much more would a buyer who's not even living in it be surprised by some of these uh, you know things being uncovered well and 
the thing is, is when you purchase a home and you don't get a home inspection, you are taking on the responsibility of, of the history of that home. So if it has generational issues, what we like to call generational issues, these are things that were acceptable and to code for the sake of argument when the home was built. Cast iron plumbing, galvanized plumbing, aluminum wiring, um, vermiculite insulation. Um, and then you've got aging properties, an older roof, an older furnace, things that are bought, brought in new, but they just age over time and they become close to what we call end of life. These are things that if you as a buyer, um, you buy the home and then you have to improve, you can't really expect to get return on investment on those things because when the buyer comes in in five years' time, if you go to sell, they're going to expect that you don't have hazardous asbestos in the insulation. Mm -hmm. They're going to expect that the roof doesn't leak. They're going to expect that they're not going to have to replace the plumbing pipes. Um, They can see the new vanity. They can see the new kitchen cabinets and the new laminate floors or the hardwood floors. But you're not, you can't reasonably expect to get your money back out of replacing the, the waste plumbing or the aluminum wiring or the insulation and use that as a selling feature if you go to sell that home in a few years. So those to me are bigger threats to a buyer from a cash flow perspective. Yeah, the, it, just advertising that you have acceptable wiring is not bringing in the big bucks because so many homes in the community have acceptable wiring. Um, uh, and one of the things I think about, too, you go into competing offers, and now you're competing. Maybe you're, you're offering above asking price, but you have control of that. You can say, okay, somebody's asking, uh, you know, 340000 and we're going to go in at three forty-five or three fifty. You have You have control. Of where you say stop, maybe maybe they're asking 340, and you say okay, I'll give them full ask, I'll give them 340, and I say stop. I don't care what the people around me are going to do, but I have control. Uh, so you might get a little aggressive that way, but when you get aggressive on a home inspection report, you've you're now really rolling dice because you can't say where that line is that you go stop, mm-hmm. because if there's issues that are uh, connected to this home, I mean, you won't know until you get the professional in to give you a quote. And let me give you some more obscure examples. So sure. This is just in the last 30 days that, I have, that I've actually experienced. A home that was three and a half years old that was on the listing as being one year old. Um, a hot water tank that was replaced two years ago that I found to be 14 years old when I actually went into the home. These are different homes. Different homes, yeah. yes. Uh, a furnace that was to have been installed in 2012 that was actually a 2004 furnace. Um, roofing on a home, windows on a home replaced in, in the last three years. Three quarters of the roof had been replaced, but one part of the roof, the back part of the roof, had never been touched, and it was actually at end of life, and it was going to, it was, it was at end of life. And windows, yes, a good majority of the windows had been replaced, but a good, a good portion of the windows, the harder, the more expensive windows, mm-hmm. were not replaced in the home. So, and I don't think that was necessarily um, intended, um, but these are, you know, this is the best information the realtor had when they did it. This is what they were told. The realtor. It cannot always be in a position to to back up um, the claims of the seller, and they may have been well intentioned. Maybe in the seller's mind, you know, I did replace all the windows. Well, I didn't do these ones, or I didn't do that one. But they always have an explanation. There's no room in the listing to show that. In the absence of a home inspection, none of that information could have been verified by the most home buyers. Yeah, and and hence the home inspection and why it's grown in popularity over the over the years and. Uh, yeah, people should be very vigilant. Yeah, uh, be thinking twice about uh, removing that clause. Uh, I know it's tough out there, and eventually people do want a home, but uh, you really want to think twice about uh, about going down that road. And you can do a home inspection without putting it in as a condition of purchase. You, we we do a home inspections quite often where we're simply doing the inspection on behalf of the buyer based on an offer, but they didn't put it in as a condition. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's happening regularly for you, Dave? Fairly regularly, more regularly in Toronto and Durham because yeah. of the, the way the market is. But it may become reality here as well. Well, Dave, I, I'd like to thank you for joining me this morning uh, on today's show. Uh, Dave, if somebody's interested in a home inspection, they're, they're making a, an offer on a home in the, in the future, or if they're just interested in getting their home tested for radon or a wet inspection, what's the best way to contact you? Just you can call us at 613-567-7678.
All right, Dave. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, folks, if you have any questions or comments about today's show or any real estate questions, you can contact me, Dale Bryant, by emailing dale at dalebryant.ca, or you can simply call into the radio station at 905-372-2391 and leave a message for me. Don't forget to join me, Dale Bryant. I'm an active real estate broker with Royal LePage ProLiance Realty Brokerage. And join me next Thursday from 11 a.m. until 12 noon for Reality Realty on Northumberland 89.7 FM, truly local radio. Until next week, folks.